0: A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. I was the co-inventor of the Facebook like button. I was the president of Pinterest. Google. Twitter. Instagram. There were meaningful changes happening around the world because of these platforms. I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin. I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore.
1: That's a clip from the Netflix movie, The Social Dilemma. Netflix, (laughs) there's an irony. And even though that's probably old news to a lot of people who are listening to this show, it is at the same time really controversial and hard to believe for a lot of other people listening to this show. You know, I started kind of on the frontier science realm, parapsychology, near death experience, all that stuff. Still have a lot of people that I really like and respect, friends from those areas of frontier science. And I talk to those people, and they don't get it, they don't understand. And if you don't understand that, notwithstanding the spin that they give it, which is really kind of sets it off kilter a little bit, then you probably can't totally wrap your arms around this. Today's guest, David Whitehead, and his new documentary series, The Cult of the Medics. Here's a clip.
0: We don't choose a side when when we're talking about morals and ethics and, and what's going on in our society. If you're in the middle, you're undecided. If you're in the middle, you're in a place, and I'm not talking about being in an objective space of a scientific objectivity where you're trying to gather all the information. This is when you have all the information and you still choose to stay in the middle because of this mechanism that we have that I was speaking about, the sort of a psychological blindness.
1: Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has it. No one's Everybody has idea. it, that's why. No one's facts yep. are better than anyone else's yep. facts. It's all relative we can all get along. Let's just all not take a stand on anything. Don't get too excited.
0: Yeah. Like, okay, here, here, here's an example, right? Like I tell people that I've had many debates with people about the peace people believe evil doesn't exist. Okay. This is the new trendy thing that evil is just this term that we use and it's old fashioned and it doesn't really exist and all this. And I think it's a cop-out not taking a stand for their own freedom. That to me is an act of evil against yourself to start with, right? So forget about the evil done for, by people to other people. What about the evil we do to ourselves? What about the way we abuse ourselves and talk down to ourselves? Sort of, the, sort of the inner conspiracy. Even though it feels like you're just being objective and you're hearing all the sides out, at some point, you do have to make a decision as to what side you're
1: on. David Whitehead is a truth warrior. and He's got a terrific new series, The Cult of the Medics. For some people, it's hard to take, but as David explains, it's equally hard to look away.
0: It'd be nice if we could just point our finger at some bunch of shadowy people doing evil and and say, hey, they're the ones that are responsible for it. And we just purge them and then everything's good. But the thing is that evil strikes through the heart of every human being. And so this becomes a a metaphysical, psychological, spiritual process. But when we ignore the darkness, when we ignore evil, it thrives.
1: This is a good one. I hope you stick around for my interview with David Whitehead, the Truth Warrior. It's coming up on Skeptico. Welcome to Skeptico, where we explore controversial science and spirituality with leading researchers, thinkers, and their critics. I'm your host, Alex Sikaris, and today we welcome, and welcome back, David Whitehead to Skeptico. David is the creator of the Way of the Truth Warrior podcast, one of his many projects, but really, really a good one. If you didn't hear the last episode we did check it out and check out this podcast. He's also the creator of a rather remarkable new, I guess documentary series, we should say cult of the medics. We're going to talk about that super high production value, very, very watchable, except it's pretty heavy stuff, but then we're in a pretty heavy world. So what are we going to do? Uh, David, lot going on up there in Canada. We're going to want to hear about all of it, but first, just welcome back to Skeptico. Thanks so much for joining me.
0: Hey, Alex. So happy to be here, man. I really appreciate what you're doing. Love your show. And uh, I'm looking forward to this chat.
1: Good. So, you know, there, like I said, there's kind of so many places that we could begin where you've gone with your show is understandable given you know what's been going on in the world particularly with uh coronavirus and you've been kind of on the front line of that for a long time but not just someone who's just kind of rattling off opinions on that but you've interviewed a lot a lot of top notch guests scientists one after another and brought them on the show and you've also brought on the show people who are kind of in the front line in a different way than is being fed to us, you know, but paramedics are saying, Hey, I'm not sure, man. I think this is bullshit. The Canadian Mounties bringing them on in a series and going, Hey, we are not down with some of this stuff that's going on. So I guess one of the, you know, just give us an overview of what's going on with you and this stuff. And in particular, what I want to drill into a little bit for my audience and for myself, David is what's really going on in Canada that we should be aware of because some of this stuff you get into I kind of worry that you guys are the canary in the coal mine in a way you know and you're getting hit with some stuff that might be coming down the road for us so I know I've laid a lot out there on the table already but where do you where do you want to begin
0: Well, no, this is good. I'm glad uh, I'll, I'm glad I have an opportunity to sort of break this down. Um, So I've been covering this since day one of, well, I've been doing my show for since 2007, but um, I've been doing this research into all of the fringe topics that we're not allowed to look into um, for probably what, 18 years now, actually, no, 19 now time is flying. And I've been covering for this past two years, this whole pandemic and, and the you know the government policies that started to come in, the, the way the media has been treating this, the censorship that has been going on with top world-renowned experts from all over the world, um, and many, many other aspects that really got me thinking, okay, there's something more going on here. And so I built my platform on the basis of pursuing the truth at all costs. And I don't pretend to say that I've got it. Um, I'm just a, an average man that is uh, very curious about these things, and I really feel like we have a lot at stake, um, and I'm trying to get through the media screen, as you were. And it, this is not just on the news. This is also with social media. I've had uh, pretty much all of my mainstream social media accounts banned um, simply for asking questions, putting up my opinion, interviewing doctors, nurses, paramedics, scientists, um, you know, researchers, entertaining different ideas um you know not calling for violence not uh you know doing anything that's breaking any laws uh but just trying to actively pursue the subjects i'm interested in and the topics that i'm concerned about and let me so jump you know, in there. My...
1: let me let me jump in there because i ahead. always i always make this point because you know there's a lot of normies in my life in my family and in people i know and business associates and stuff like that and even people i've interviewed on the show you know uh people from Columbia University, uh top top banker in New York, they don't understand this banning. They think that's they think that's somebody else is getting banned. They're not really sure who it is, but they know they they know that it's somebody who really really is a bad bad person who we should not hear from and that's who's getting banned. And when I say no, you don't get it. This guy, this this guy got banned for interviewing the vice president of pfizer the vice president of pfizer or a doctor with uh credentials out the uh, zoo published in all these peer-reviewed papers who's expressing an opinion he got banned for that and i look at i i see the look on their face and they really don't believe me i mean they just flat out they kind of think you're not telling me something there's something there's something to that that you're not telling me because no way people are really getting banned for that so i want to play a little clip sure the only the only uh problem i have with this episode is uh you know the vaccine debate is over i totally get your point but like debates are never over, they keep going. And there's more science coming and all the time. And you you were definitely about that you are about give me more science, give me more science. But this was kind of a frustration level. And it's just going to jump in the middle. But it'll give people a sense for the kind of dialogue you're having. If you want to read one particular study on the effectiveness of ivermectin, one particular peer reviewed study on ivermectin. I'd suggest to you in the Journal of Biomedical Research and Clinical Investigations, Deputy Speaker, study published last year. Now, what they did in this study, Deputy Speaker, this was in across four hospitals in Argentina. And they had two groups. They had 407 people, hospital workers, doctors and nurses. Okay, I'm going to cut it off there because I don't want to play too much into it. This is what you're going to get from David uh, partially what you're going to get, uh, original interviews with experts clips from people. I think that guy's presenting in front of the British parliament. Right. And, uh, and with, but science, I mean, that is very sciencey stuff. So I don't know, I could just go on and on and you, you, it sounds like a rant, but I mean, how is this shit getting banned? How is was, and, and then the real question I think is, Not how is this shit getting banned? Although that gets to what your work is really about is kind of getting, you know, really asking that question. But the first is just letting people know that this kind of stuff is being banned right now. They're burning the books in the town square right now. And you're just not aware of it. The people you talk to in your show, they're aware of it. But most people are just not aware of this. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's that's the main
0: place I'm coming from, and just a little bit about the title of that, where I was uh, tongue in cheek saying, you know, the vaccine debate is over. I was quoting CNN and MSNBC and CBC, right. where they were saying the vaccine debate is over. So I have a little way. People that follow my show know that I have a, uh, I use, I try to use some humor and and kind of throw it back in their face and say, okay. You said the vaccine debate is over, and then played a couple paid for TV doctors to come on and tell everybody that the vaccine debate is over. Meanwhile, you're in a process of actively censoring world renowned experts, epidemiologists, Nobel laureates, award winning scientists from all over the world that were simply asking questions and raising alarms and asking for these pharmaceutical companies uh, that have a stranglehold over the medical industry to show their receipts to show their evidence. And because they didn't actually do that, and they only said they did it, and they're only telling the public that they did it, they are now doing independent research and finding all kinds of problems with what we're being told is the science, right? And so when I go on and I do my little rants and I play these clips and I try to bring a narrative to people, uh, my job is to keep people in a place where they're critically thinking. I'm not telling people, hey, come on and listen to my show and just blindly trust what I'm saying. I'm just a dude from Canada that's been doing my own independent research, and I care about what the truth is, and I can see, at least I feel like I can see, uh, to a large extent of what I think is really going on, which is the opposite of science, right? Because I don't know, what do you think about this, Alex? You've, you've covered an amazing show for, for years, interviewing all kinds of scientists and holding their feet to the fire about what is science and what is not science. But do you, know, do you really think that this is science when they're telling us to just trust it? Is science something that we trust or is science something that we test, right? And that's my question, that's my argument is science is, there's first of all, there's no such thing as the science, okay? The word the must be deleted from that word. It should be disattached forever. Science is a process of investigating, forming a hypothesis, weighing evidence against the hypothesis, continually testing that hypothesis, And then when new information comes into that investigation, you are going to alter your hypothesis because the goal is to use science as a method to determine the truth. Right. So if we're if we're going to go, all right, we've done some science, but now we're going to stop doing that process of science. And then those other scientists out there that want to continue doing what they all originally thought science was, which is what I've just described, and you're just going to ban them from the conversation completely. And then the media comes in, tells the public, who is not involved in the discussion behind the doors or what the real scientists are debating at all, and tell them, the vaccine debate is over, guys. Go get it. It's 100% safe and effective. And you know, I'm exaggerating slightly. They, they keep changing that all the time. But it's not that far off, because that's what we're being told. Is this the only way out? It's uh, you know, Now we're, it's safe for kids, 5 to 11. Meanwhile, we've got reams of data showing otherwise. And so then the question becomes, is this really about science? Is this really about health or is this about something else? And I think it's a fair question. And I've taken my shots at it. I've put a a mixture, a remix of factual data that anybody can go and look up and vet for themselves. I've put uh, experts out there so that it's not just coming from me, some guy doing a podcast. And I've also injected my opinion based on my own observations and my own way of looking at the world. Um, And I ask my audience every time I go on the air to think for themselves. Don't just blindly trust the media. Don't just blindly trust me. Don't just blindly trust Alex. Don't just blindly trust anybody. Learn to trust your own mind because otherwise, what are we? We're, back to a sort of state of feudalism where everybody was kind of illiterate and had to only learn about religion and life from priests who were literate and could read them holy scriptures um, and then get all the laws from the, the monarchies, right? We're not that far away from that if you really look at it. We're actually moving more towards that sort of collectivistic, totalitarian way of thinking. And also it seems like as we see all this censorship and All this draconian stuff going on online with them banning everybody. I mean, even people that don't cover this stuff are getting banned. It's ridiculous. But now that's starting to leak into a physical space where you're being banned from entering businesses unless you can show your health status, which previously was protected under the Nuremberg Code and every human rights law in existence as being a doctor-patient privilege, uh, where you get to share that information with your doctor. You get to make your own informed decision. We operate in a world of choices, right? Right. And so what they've tried to do to stop the process of people continuing to operate like that is to say, there are no choices, guys. There's
1: only one way. Let me, let me jump in there for a minute, because part of the problem, I think with this dialogue is, uh, people like you and me can easily go down this path because we just follow the evidence. We just follow the trail one step after another, and we can forget what it was like to walk that path. You've been at this for a long time. I've been at this for a long time. We can forget how uh, world shattering, paradigm shattering this first step can be. I relate it back to, you know, when I started my show, I had no awareness of conspiracies. I mean, I wasn't aware JFK totally off the radar, 9/11 totally off the radar. I came at this purely from a science standpoint and What I found was conspiracy. So I was interviewing these guys, these scientists, and they were going, hey, this is bullshit. This is intentionally deceptive. They didn't let my paper go through. And it was in a small little corner of the world that didn't affect anybody. It was parapsychology and, you know, who are we really kind of, are we more than just biological robots thing? So it was an important area, but it was a tiny little area. But I guess I worry sometimes that people hear what you just said and you just laid out the world and they can't walk all those steps across the pond that that you and I have walked. I I look at the kind of uh, science investigations, critical investigations I was doing 10 years ago and it was so mild compared to what's going on now it was so within the realm of normalcy you know a guy trying to get over on somebody's peer-reviewed paper a guy slipping past peer review and getting something in and then a debate on both sides of saying hey you know that's not right well okay i retract that they were trying to stay within some reasonable guidelines trying to support the, the, what we kind of have always expected science to be, and now it just seems to be a free fall, a complete free fall. It is completely not about science. They don't even pretend it's about science anymore. It's a put your fucking mask on until we tell you to take it off. I don't care how many studies you have. I don't care. I'll show you all my fake studies and you'll buy it. And and the same goes with the facts. I don't even. We don't even have to get in that, but. That's I guess what I'm saying. There's been a shift. It's like amped up times 10 in terms of the disregard for science.
0: Yeah, that's a a huge, that's a very hugely important point. Um, I've been thinking about this for a while. We've also been covering this on uh, the podcast that I do with Michael uh, that we've had you on actually, Alex, the unslaved podcast. We've been talking about the implosion of the scientific community and the institutions of science that's been happening for a long time. Um, in a lot of different fields. and and your show has been actually really good at getting in, as as you said, you started with some of those smaller issues that were just sort of these off-the cuff fringe things that were happening and discussions about paranormal psychology, et cetera. But it that issue in science has has cropped up everywhere. and it has become the thing it was meant to be against, which was a cult-like mentality or a uh, a, a malignant sort of religion that was trying to use an authoritarian, censoring, uh, controlling element within it, um, as well as the corrupted elements of of where the funding comes from, who finances these medical journals, who actually pays for the education of a lot of these doctors and scientists throughout university, what's the sponsors, you know, you follow the money, you look at the big picture, and you realize that the scientific establishment, as we'll call it, not science as a method, not the real scientists, all right, who are, there are many great and amazing scientists I just wish the world would listen to, but scientific, science as, a, as an establishment now has become a cult, and um, that's what I'm, I'm, I, I shamelessly call it out for what it is. Uh, in the series that you mentioned, The Cult of the Medics, I, have, I did that series. The first chapter, I get into definitions of what is a cult, uh, you know, and then compare it to what we're hearing and seeing right now. And when they're rejecting science and they're censoring scientists and they're not like, show me what I want to ask anybody that's still they still think we're crazy for even questioning this. Show me where there was public unedited debates between top scientists about these government policies, the masks, these shots, et cetera. Right. All these other people are talking about these alternative therapies, et cetera. Where are the actual scientific debates right? Like we should have already had Dana White from the UFC set up some kind of octagon where you could sit people down and have like Dr. Anthony Fauci debate, Dr. Peter McCullough or something like that, where we could get it all on the table so that the public can see all of the evidence from both sides and then make up their own mind. That's how we built a free society. That was the pillar of a free society was that we will have differing opinions in this world, in this life, Um, Alex, I'm sure there's many things you and I agree on and there's many things we don't agree on, but what we do agree on is the freedom to disagree as long as we're not hurting anybody. And that's where they try to bring that debate, isn't it? Is, well, if you don't trust the science, then you're irresponsible and you're actually out there hurting people. And when they can use that as leverage without the evidence to back that statement up or without allowing the debates to unfold, that would help clear that question up, then it, it, the onus comes back to us as individuals to say well if the government is not going to allow for this debate if the scientific establishment is no longer operating in a scientific manner anymore um then that's the onus comes back to me the individual to become my own scientist to do my own research if the media if I can't trust the media which, we could talk for this entire podcast about specific examples of how you should probably question what you're getting from the media, but let's just give me the benefit of the doubt on that. If I can't trust the media and you can't trust the media, well, who can you trust? And, and you, at the end of the day, you're going to have everybody with every different opinion imaginable and who has to make the decision about how they're going to live their life uh, and what, what they're going to do. Well, it's you, it's me, it's the individual has to make that decision at the end of the day. But how can you make that decision if it's not informed, right? And there's something called informed consent that science, the world of science, especially medical science, has suddenly just walked away from after years, like how many decades have we established that as being imperative? You know, as I keep bringing up the Nuremberg Code, just go read the 10 planks of the Nuremberg Code. That was established after what took place in Nazi Germany. Right. And the whole point is to establish the idea of bodily autonomy and free choice and consent, informed consent based on any kind of medical procedure that's going to be done to you. And none of those procedures should be done against your will. So if they're going to be, you know, bringing out these so-called laws, which aren't laws and say their laws and say to people, well, this is the only way that we can uh, get our way, get out of this pandemic and there's no debate about it, and we're just going to completely throw your constitutions in the trash bin, well, that means that, okay, we can't really fully just blindly trust the media. We can't fully blindly trust these institutions of science. We can't fully blindly trust what we're being told. So that means we have to take that responsibility back and become our own scientists, our own uh, media, our own researchers, our own journalists, because that's what it takes. And that's what I did. And when I took that path, I got the biggest wake-up call of all about just how bad it is simply because of how I wasn't just censored. I was shut down from PayPal. I was shut down from my businesses. I was attacked personally multiple times, been threatened. The stuff I've gone through to go on this journey of trying to find the truth about this and call for open debate about this has been mind-blowing. And so that kind of tells me that we now need to start getting into understanding human psychology, the history of many of these... um, of, of the history, We have to learn the history of science, the history of government, the history of where all this came from, the mistakes that have been done in the past, and then try to find a way to see if we can spot those same patterns happening right now. Because let me tell you, if we don't learn those lessons of history and fully understand them and take back our own minds, then we're doomed to repeat them, except this time it'll be on a scale that we can't even imagine. Because what we're facing right now is not just happening in East Germany. It's not just happening in Cambodia. It's not just happening in North Korea or Germany or the Soviet Union. This is happening globally. This will affect all of humanity. It will affect the future of humanity. So the fact that they're making all these decisions and there's no debate about it, and it's, it's, it smells to high heaven of all kinds of corruption, and people aren't even thinking twice about it, and they're jumping to the conclusion that people like me are dangerous for questioning it, uh, that brings up some alarm bells. And so my job, I feel, is to keep doing my work to combat uh, that and say, no, you don't have to agree with my assessment, but can we agree that it's important that we all start thinking again and be, be following the actual scientific method to get to the truth? Because opinions be damned, Alex. Opinions don't mean anything if they're wrong. The truth is all that matters so we should at least be pursuing it and working every single day to try to find it because if we don't find that truth uh then we're going to be living a lie and that lie could lead us to our destruction
1: let's play a little clip this is from the trailer of cult of the medics
0: in the early 1900s he made a very interesting statement he said i think we're property i should say we belong to something that something owns this earth, all others warned on, and that all of this has been known, perhaps for ages, to certain ones upon this earth. A cult or order, members of which function like bellwethers to the rest of us, or as superior slaves or overseers, directing us in accordance with instructions received from somewhere else in our mysterious usefulness. Is there anything to this? Let me tell you a story.
1: Okay, hopefully I can fix that a little bit. That was a little rough. But, uh, but David, so tell us about this specifically about this documentary series, where it goes, it's very, I don't know, it, it, it's tough, because I know if I play that, even that opening to a lot of people I know, they're going to be one, either turned off or two, afraid, and maybe that where that hits is the same place. Because I think a lot of people turn away from this information, because it really does strike them on some level that they can't totally process as probably being true. And that's super, super scary. So how do you deal with the very unsettling part of this for a lot of people?
0: It's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. That first trailer was designed to be a cold shower. And there is a reason I did that. My work is I I do my very best to uh, present the information in a big picture way that is going to contain some very scary and dark information. However, I never leave you hanging. I never leave you there. That's not at all what my intention is, is to just say, all right, guys, uh, I got a whole bunch of bad news for you. So sit down, grab your popcorn, and let's do this. Uh, my intention is to say, we need to start looking at things differently. Uh, we need to start really analyzing the world in which we live and putting all these, what used to be, or what most people consider separate threads, separate, uh, completely you know, self-contained subjects. And my goal is to try to say, what happens when we put all of this information together? right? It's all fun and good to look at one subject over here one day and then erase it from your memory and then switch to that subject over there and that current event over there and that media media narrative over there and think of it in a a compartmentalized way where it's separate. What happens when you put it all together is you get a totally different-
1: Let's add some substance there. Like, What would be some of the different things that would be in those separate categories? uh pharmaceuticals and the profiteering the media the pop media a lady gaga cnn so we have all what are the so what are i just throw out some but what are the different threads that you're attempting to weave together or at least ask us to weave together
0: sure uh, yeah very good so i would say let's start we start with the medical what i'm calling the medical industrial complex right? We've we've heard about the military industrial complex. I wasn't the one that coined that term. I've got mountains of books of uh, what you could call excommunicated doctors and medical researchers that call it that, the medical industrial complex. Well, what is that? Well, that is a nightmare to real science is what it is. It's an obscenity where you have very few corporations and institutions and private uh, organizations as well that are controlling Everything you see, hear, and read in terms of the media, those same entities have massive shares in controlling ownership in the medical field, which would encompass the pharmaceutical industry, right? And then that leaks into the universities where scientists and doctors are getting their educations, right? I had uh, uh, Dr. Marcia Angel, who was formerly the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, she retired and she now does public speaking. She wrote a book where she was basically talking about how pharma has corrupted medical science. And she watched it firsthand uh, over two decades, being one of the chief editors of the New England Journal of Medicine.
1: But- Hold on, because you got so much stuff. But sometimes I think th- the sound bites, people just dismiss them because they sound too fantastic. Again, I'm, I, I'm trying to talk to a different audience right now. It's not really my audience, my audience gets that. But when I listen to your stuff, I'm like, he needs to take a step back. Like, what did you learn about what she learned about the New England Journal of Medicine and how they actually do that? How do they get it? How do they corrupt medical science in that way, right? Do you remember from the interview? Because I remember some of the things.
0: Yeah, no, and I appreciate that. So, what she learned is that it's all funded science. And not that there's anything wrong with funding science, but the problem is, is where's the funding coming from? And does that ever end up uh, conflicting with the process of science, which is what she discovered as being the truth? And I I urge people to at least watch that first chapter. It's her section is about halfway through and she goes through how we've had many, many instances where, uh, you know, she gets into Representative Billy Townsend, who was this uh, I think he was a Republican senator. Who was basically paid off by the in one of the largest amounts by some of these pharmaceutical companies to pass certain bills into law or into into uh, put it into Congress and get it passed in order to protect the interests of these pharmaceutical companies who have been engaged in fraud, in shredding documents, in silencing uh, whistleblowers, in you know actually being responsible for conducting illegal experimentation. Like in the case of Pfizer, for example, has you know they're guilty of being literally the number one criminal the, the top criminal fine in human history was laid on Pfizer uh, by the, the State Department and numerous other fines for, you know like testing drugs on Nigerian children without their parents' knowledge. There was all kinds of uh, injuries and deaths associated with that. Nigerian court, they, they got brought into Nigerian court and had to settle that case uh, to the tune of million, hundreds of millions of dollars. And this has gone on for decades and decades, and that's only one company. And so, you know, the whole point of her work and so many other, I I bring in so many different people into this to show you that we have to really question who we're trusting right now. And I personally just don't trust people who are, they have a criminal track record. I I just can't blindly trust them that they're doing honest, you know, well-intentioned work when they continually commit these types of crimes and continually engage in this kind of fraud. So that's one aspect of what we're covering in Cult of the Medics is sort of the modern medical pharmaceutical complex, uh, the the money behind it. uh, My take and some of the experts I bring on their take about what could be possibly motivating that. um, And then we also bring in this esoteric side of it into this series, which is this idea of cults, you know, what's a cult? And people might get sort of their hackles up when they hear cult of the medics. What are you, the hell are you talking about? Aren't doctors there to do good in the world? And- David, what
1: was it like for you to make that leap for the first time? Because like the greedy part we all get. And we all get it on like a personal level. You go to get your car repaired and you go on Yelp and you find a guy who has a bunch of good reviews and you go to him and then you find out all the reviews are fake. And he paid a bunch of people to do them and he's really a shyster and he rips you off and we go, dang, I know that stuff happened, but it happened to me, right? So then you go into medical and then you see, you know, Purdue or you see Pfizer and you see it pulling off these massive scams, billions of dollars, creating you know all these drug addicts and people who commit suicide and they don't give a shit. They're just out for make the money and then they interview the VP of sales and he's like, "I'm sorry, man. I was just trying to, you know, put food on the table and I want to get a new BMW for my wife and we go, you know, that's a horrible thing you did, but we get it." And then you talk about the cults and we're like, whoa wait a minute i i didn't uh, see that one coming i mean i got the greedy guy with the BMW. what's the cult thing
0: yes and I mean, it's funny you brought up the car mechanic thing because wasn't that one of the arguments that was used to dissuade anybody from questioning doctors or scientists during the pandemic was most people were sort of repeating the media line which was well you're not a mechanic, so why would you? Uh, why wouldn't you trust an actual expert that knows how to fix your car? And they're relating that to trust the science, trust the doctors, right? Uh, but then you just brought up an example about how, you know, I'm sure there's many times where some car mechanics or some, you know, people that work on your car might em- embellish some of the problems of your vehicle in order to make some more money or, you know, people can relate to that as you as you say, and most people are very comfortable with the idea that this is just all about the pharmaceutical industry and these Vanguard BlackRock, you know, state street, multi trillion dollar corporations, just trying to make more money. I mean, that's, that's gotta be what it's all about. Right. Well, this series challenges that. And I tell people, I'm like, you could part ways with me on the cult thing if you wanted to, you know, but stay tuned. Um, and we could just keep it where you're the, where you're at, which is, this is just about some greed. This is just about some corruption. Uh, and people just want to make some money and they don't care about the carnage they're causing, right? Or the, the assault on freedom that they're causing. But I argue that, you know, just because I've been looking at so many of these different things, that that's really only something that's. Put in place, in my opinion, to keep this compartmentalized system running. You know, a lot of it's been said that the criminal world, the black market, criminal mafia world, is run off of blackmail, right? You know, which in blackmail would be they've got some dirt on you. And so they use that as leverage to keep you in line. If you ever grow a conscience and decide that you want to say something that you shouldn't say, Jeffrey Epstein, Um, I
1: mean, right.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we've got, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell's trial on deck November 29th. So stay tuned for that. And I hope everybody pays just as much attention to that as they did to the Kyle Rittenhouse case, but that's a different subject. So the way I'm looking at it is this for people that maybe I I know you're going to, people will feel uneasy with what I'm going to say here. But that doesn't mean it isn't true. And that's all I have to say about it is uh, this part of this thesis or this idea that I'm rolling out um, comes from my personal research for decades now. I've done this since I was very young because I saw cults happening around me. I had some personal experiences uh, growing up, and I knew a lot of people growing up, and it got my curiosity right away. And when you look at what a cult is, and I should probably just quickly define it. If you look at a cult, a cult essentially is a group or a movement that's exhibiting a great or excessive devotion or dedication to some person, idea, or thing, and employing unethically manipulative techniques of persuasion and control. Examples would be isolation from former friends or family, (laughs) Uh, debilitation, use of special methods to heighten suggestibility and subservience. There's your media. Uh, Powerful group pressure. (laughs) Wear the mask or otherwise you're going to kill everybody. Uh, promotion of total dependency on the group for fear of leaving it. So they've got this whole, in cults, they play on this tribal instinct that we all have to be accepted by our community. Uh, And it's designed, the cult is designed to advance the goals of the group's leaders to the actual or possible detriment of the members their families or their community. So, you know, it's just a basic definition. There's many, I I've given in the, in the series, I've probably given about four or five different definitions of cults, and then we get into the examples of cults alex okay oh, so hold
1: on, hold on though because okay cause go ahead. you just made i think a a, a fantastic point that I, I try and make with people all the time again people cl- very very close to me and the pushback i get is no no that's not what a cult is there's a specific definition of cult and here's what it is and then they'll go into because a lot of psychologists have studied this and they have all this stuff i think the broader definition that you're leading us towards is so, so important, because as you mentioned, it starts resonating with other mind control techniques that we are accustomed to, and we see happening right now. And this is what your series does, it draws, it draws our attention to the fact of how blurry is that line between the 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 Scientologists that we all can go, you know, those Scientologists, they're in a cult, and just what we're watching on tv and what we're watching with put on your fucking mask and don't take it off until we tell you to and you're saying look out guys that line is a lot more blurry than you think right isn't that's what i'm getting
0: yeah that's a good that's a good way of saying it you know and and actually i would i would challenge anybody to go and actually look up what a cult definition would be from any dictionary it doesn't matter you put it up on in the lights and you you look at it um the, this is where we got to get off the whiteboard, so to speak. I call it the whiteboard, where we're all drawing diagrams and theorizing and thinking and calculating and then making opinions based off whiteboard stuff. I'm a martial artist. Uh, I'm the kind of guy that says, you've got to show me. You can't tell me. You can't just come in here and talk a big game. Prove it to me. You know, If you can, if you can demonstrate that you have a superior idea or that mine isn't correct, I need to know for a fact. So this is where we got to get specific. And specific means... Um, we need to start looking at examples. So you mentioned, uh, you know, one cult, but what about these other cults? Like, what about you know, a great example that I compare in uh, some of these chapters is to what happened in Jonestown with Jim Jones. You know, you listen to the rhetoric of Jim Jones, you watch some of his sermons, um, and just for those who maybe don't know what I'm talking about, this was basically a, a cult that was formed by a gentleman who started with sort of a modern Christian vibe, uh, but had a lot of you know, you know, bring the community together. Let's bring uh, black man, white man, Asian man all together. Uh, let's have kumbaya, let's create a community, uh, you know, all that. It was a very socialist kind of minded uh, concept that went really bad. And they all went out to Guyana and, and uh, you know, basically made a commune and just under a thousand people, including their children, uh, drank uh, the Kool-Aid, knowing that they were going to be, you know, commit they were going to commit suicide together, and he got them to all commit mass suicide. Um, and there's many details to the story; I won't belabor it. But the the example I give is that you had a very charismatic person that had what many people perceived to be a very um, benign, uh, you know, hopeful utopian vision, and then it went really, really bad. And that was sort of a microcosmic experiment of what we've seen gone on throughout history with many countries and nations trying these types of experiments where they end up going bad. And it's like, wow, that statement of the path to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, it's got a lot of meaning to it. So then how do we, how do we call that a cult? Well, you've got um, so many elements in it that pull at your, I would call, The naive part of people, right? Um, It's the good part of people, but goodness can't be blind. Let's just put it like that. So if you just want to, you know, all those talking points that if you had a Jim Jones up there saying, Hey guys, we're going to free the world. We're gonna to come together and, and get rid of all of our racial differences and get rid of uh, racism and sexism and and homophobia and government control and banker control and church control. And we're gonna start a new church and a new community, and we're gonna base it off of you know, you know, the greater good for the greater number, and we're gonna to work together and build this new utopian world. Those are ideals that people will swallow immediately without thinking, because it plays on what I think many of us want, which is we want a better world. We don't want a world full of hatred and racism and fighting and, and all these kinds of things. Um, but why does it keep going bad when certain elements start to play in? And that's where you get into the cult, the sort of the poison in the pot. Yet-
1: Hold on, because I, I might tweak that just slightly. And I think this fits in more with what you're saying, if I can kind of redirect it. You know, it's not that the road to hell is paved with good intentions i think that's incorrect i think the road to hell is paved with the co-opting of good intentions because that's what you're really talking about go exploit people's natural desire to be good to connect right. with that moral imperative that is in their ears and even when no one was talking to them about religion they knew what right and wrong was they knew that you know as you said in san francisco that the racial divide or the other social divide, they knew it shouldn't be there. So let's go co-op that. That's a mind control technique. But what I think you're bringing to this that is really powerful is that you don't have to look for Jim Jones because fuck it, Joe Biden ain't no cult leader. Nobody's followed him. <laughs> Nobody even showed up to his fricking rallies, driving a little car there and sitting the drive it. No, what these guys have done for a long long time for, for a long 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 time is they've taken the techniques of mind control which are really what the cult is all about and they've found different ways to to do it and that's what we're talking about here with with the mask the masking is exactly a, an application of what you're talking about but you'd be hard pressed to find the figurehead you know the charismatic person is doing that do you, do you get what i'm saying do you agree with that or yep. do you
0: yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. And I agree. It's the co-opting of good intentions. I like that because that's what it is. I wasn't, uh, you know, that, and that people immediately, when you say that word co-opting, you're insinuating conspiracy right away. And that, that very thing will, will make people go, well, oh, it can't be, but is it that it can't be, or is it that we don't want it to be? And w- which one, you know, what, what really matters here? So when we talk about, when we talk about criminal, the criminal history of, of many of these institutions and many of these examples we could bring up, um, there's nothing but a track record of that throughout history, right? And so why we're still so naive to it leads us to the question of psychology, which is why don't we want to see it, right? Why don't we want to see the wolf in sheep's clothing, if I come out and say, hey, guys, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing, this whole thing, they're telling you it's all about what do they get? What are they promising you with this vaccine? They're promising you the same thing religion promised you salvation, eternal life, uh, you know, in this transhumanism stuff as well. Uh, they're promising you very similar things that religions and cults have been promising you for thousands and thousands of years. And uh, so when I point that out and I go. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing just like it has been many many times before we better start catching on to this trend that keeps happening you know people they get their hackles up not because maybe like you said on a logical basis they don't agree or they they can't obviously see what i'm talking about but it's because there's a part of them that wants to deny that and doesn't want to admit that that level of evil and corruption exists in the world and and that's where we have to have those conversations so that's why when i do my work it's a, It's partly confrontational, but it's also, I do bring you back around and say, hey, it's not all hopeless. We don't have to live in fear of all these things. But if we're not aware that there are, there's a predatory force on this planet, we'll call it what you want, right? It, it, it shows up in certain people in certain times in history, here and there. It's showing up in probably people you know in your friendship circles when you're saying, hey, I want to think for myself. Maybe i don't want to wear that mask because I don't want to inhale my own CO2 and my own micro And I don't think it really works. And I think it's more about, like you said, a form of mind control um, and getting people into submission and, and bringing on religious garb. Uh, that's what I see it as, is, you know, this whole, you've got to cross the threshold into you know, target and you have to anoint yourself with the holy oil of the hand sanitizer. And then you have to don the proper religious garb to go into certain places. And you have to say certain things. You have to believe certain things. And if you speak out of line, you're ostracized from the community. You're punished by the new church of the modern world, which is the World Health Organization, the CDC, Pfizer, and all, all this. And so you go, well, there's so many elements there that I've just listed, that if you really, I'm not speaking hyperbolically, you can, you can fact check me on that, that that's how they're behaving. And so when I look at examples of Jim Jones, Heaven's Gate, Process Church of the Final Judgment, uh, the, sun, the solar cult of, the, of this new Templar order that came out of Montreal back in the day where they had people committing mass ritualistic suicide, always for some ideal, always for some you know, higher uh, way of, of being you know, creating goodness in the world, of course. And then I started to take it back and go, well, what if, is this new? Is any of this stuff new? Uh, what, how, how long has this been going on? Let me
1: play a clip. You- I, I want to play the clip of the, oh, this is such an awesome clip. It's totally new to me. It's a guy in the 1700s. He's a Mason and he goes, shit, the, the black magicians have co-opted our Freemason society. Let me see if I yeah. got it. If not, maybe you can direct me to it.
0: So we could look at one element of what could be call dark or black magic as being the techniques of hypnosis, mind control, subversion of another's will. And there's another thing that comes to mind when I consider this, which is a quote that comes from the Duke of Brunswick, who was one of the Grand Masters of Freemasonry in the 1700s. And he said, I have been convinced that we as an order have come under the power of some very evil occult order profoundly versed in science, both occult and otherwise.
1: Okay, let me stop it right there. There, there, This is a dense, dense uh, documentary series. So he's up to part five, but you could be sitting there taking notes if you're not aware of this stuff. Like, I know a lot of this stuff. I'm getting hit with a bunch of stuff I didn't know. And I am scrambling to take notes because I check people out when they say stuff like that. Because-
0: Good for you. That
1: one quote right there, really, really says so much about one, our, our desire to do secret societies for very understandable reasons, you know, you can get MMA, uh, secret societies to and they had them, right? I mean, this is Bruce Lee, right? We, we don't want to reveal our secret holds, because we don't want our secret moves, we don't want those to get out there. And there might be a good reason for that. But then that secret society aspect can be co-opted can be manipulated and used in these other ways that we're talking about here i'm kind of spinning off in a lot of different directions but pull us back david to all of what you're saying there
0: yeah and i'm really i really like that clip i put a lot of time into that one because you know i've done a lot of this kind of research into secret societies for a long time um, and and speaking to members within them members outside of them researchers uh, trying to get a peg on it. And we don't have all the answers because it's secret, but there are a lot of things that we do know because there's been whistleblowers and insiders that have been coming out for centuries about this. And they're not your local uh, guy working at the pub. They are you know, barons, princes, dukes, uh, politicians, you know, gov- uh, government officials, military people, medical people. We've had insiders coming out to blow the whistle on the fact that their institution has been co-opted uh, for a long time, you can even think of Benjamin Disraeli, the prime minister of England back in the day, who came out and blew the whistle about how he's like, there are very different personages, personages running uh, the world events behind the scenes that you don't see and things like this. And I could go on and on about admissions from the inside about how their institutions were corrupted, you know, the banking industry, et cetera. So um, what where did it begin? Where did this movement To bring us to where we are now begin well it didn't just begin in 2019 when they you know went and and started you know building this narrative about the pandemic Um, it didn't even begin with 9-11 it didn't begin with JFK it didn't begin with the world wars it goes way back and as you said about secrecy um, there were many good reasons uh, really good reasons for secret societies if you think about the oppression of the church Uh, you think about, uh, the, you know, in different invading empires trying to expand their empire, uh, you want to maintain your knowledge. You want to keep that knowledge that, that you have, uh, protected, you know, from those, uh, Stasi police that are going to come knock on your door or those Nazi guards that are going to come knock on your door. And so you need to hide that knowledge. So there was good, good reasons. And not all masons are bad. Many masonry as, as a self, just, it came from a, a skill of building knowledge of building, um, and there was the masons that built physical cathedrals and structures. And then there were the builders of ideas and philosophies and religions and, and, and entire civilizations. And um, so, you know, it's not all bad, but there is a bad element because let me just say this to people, isn't the proof in the pudding. I mean, let's be honest, just thinking about the medical system I was talking about, we trust these people, but under their watch, we've watched, a rise in chronic disease and illness, uh, unlike the world has ever seen before. Now, someone will come back to me and go, yeah, but we've also seen an improvement in life. But there's a give and take, isn't there? There's, It's not all bad either. The medical system is not all bad either. But there's corrupted elements that have led to a significant amount of death and carnage on the human population that shouldn't have happened, right? And so we have to start asking, how did this come to be and, and why? And so I went, into the, I went right into getting into some of the secret society stuff and talking about the Illuminati and everything because people talk about it now as if it's some cartoonish fantasy that someone got from a science fiction movie. When um, I didn't just quote, like I didn't quote some conspiracy, I didn't go to conspiracytheory.com and quote some Jacko there. I'm quoting the Duke of Brunswick. I'm quoting top, top sources from the inside who were, who, were, who actually, he actually continues that quote to call for the disbandment of Freemasonry because it was so bad it got so purged or so infiltrated. And I guess because of the compartmentalized nature of Freemasonry, it was, uh, and it was very much well loved by the aristocracy and the elites of the time that it became the perfect cover as Albert Pike said later on for, uh, hiding the machinations of these criminal operations. So, um, you know, my thing was, well, if that, if, if this guy's blowing the whistle in the 1700s, an interesting date because you know America was founded 1776. Uh, so was the Bavarian Illuminati by Adam Weishaupt, documented. You know, take it, go fact check me. This isn't conspiracy theory. This was fact. The debate happens about what's the intention behind it, right? And you know, when we're talking about these secret groups, what's their intention, and do they still wield power, or is it is it all gone? Well, I would just say, look at the proof in the pudding. What kind of a world are we living in? Is the world more healthy now? Is it more free? Is it is there less debt? Is there less government control? Is there uh, more prosperity? Are people living longer? Uh, maybe in some places, yes. But you know, these questions we got to start asking because who's under whose watch is all of this happening?
1: But David, a lot yeah. of Sorry, people would answer those questions differently than you're answering them. I can hear the crowd saying, uh, yes, are we more prosperous? Yes, are we living longer? Yes, is there less violence in the world? And in, in, in a lot of respects, they would present data to back that up. I almost see it going in a different direction. Lady Gaga, and you're playing these clips of this dark, dark, satanic, I mean, directly out of the most tried and true kind of satanic principles that says there is a darkness, there is a force that is the opposite of good. And it's been there forever. And these people are seeking a direct connection with that. I, I don't think there it, it takes a leap to to make that conclusion. It's obvious they're rubbing it in your face that they're doing that. That to me is really the issue, not counting the bodies this way or that way not counting the trillions this way or that way it's why is lady gaga dressed in black and then immersed in blood and then with why what is going on there on a spiritual level which is where you're taking us
0: Right, right. But they would still come back because no matter what I say, they're going to come back with something because they just have to go over to Snopes.com and get all the information from them. And then that way they don't have to really look at it themselves, you know. Um, But they would come back with the Lady Gaga go, But that's just art, Alex. That's just fashion. It's just expression, uh, you know, expressing the dark side of the human psyche. And it's a healthy thing. And, you know, they're going to make excuses all along the way. Right.
1: Well, do you, but you don't really think so. And I don't really no. think so either. I think there's a lot of people, David, who are immersed in this darkness and have uh, sought it for whatever reasons. And we understand that from a deep spiritual level and from a psychological level. There's reasons why people connect. People are wounded. People feel an energy and a force in them, and it somehow connects them to this darkness. But I think more, there's a lot of other people who are of the light, who are being woken up to this, and they're shocked, because they really haven't seen it. And they're really not interested in what Snoops has to say, because the first time a film like yours fully confronts them with the facts, in the context that you're doing, they go, Oh, my God, I, I didn't realize that was going on. In the same way that like we started this interview when they go i didn't really think a guy who's just talking to canadian mounties was being banned i didn't know that was happening i didn't know they were really burning the books in the town square do you know what i mean i i think a lot of people aren't really aware of the darkness they're not aware that's
0: is that's what i'm really trying to say here is you have to be aware of that and you have it's like solzhenitsyn said and i quoted him in chapter four I did a little section dedicated to Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and he was the author of The Gulag Archipelago, and and he came to America after the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, He survived the gulags in Russia and and watched what happened, and they say his book was what contributed to bringing down uh, that system and exposing it to the West. And he came to America and did all kinds of lectures talking about uh, warning America that the same force that slowly and methodically took over Russia and turned it into what it was during that time, uh, the same signs were showing up in America back in the 60s and 70s. And so he came and were warning America about that. And, and, and because uh, I guess many people didn't want to hear it, it, it was too harsh of a reality to accept. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of ignored it. Um, but, you know, I say, well, he, look at his statement on evil. He said, and he experienced it, so he should know. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if we could just point our finger at some bunch of shadowy people doing evil and and say, hey, they're the ones that are responsible for it, and we just purge them, and then everything's good. And and while there are those things, he said, but the thing is that evil strikes through the heart of every human being, and so this becomes a, a metaphysical, a psychological, spiritual process, as you said, that inner alchemy to uh, purge yourself of that and recognize that in yourself, and um, and and work towards you know actualizing your potential and 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 bettering yourself etc but um, when we ignore the darkness when we ignore evil it thrives and so when we if i'm bringing attention to ancient cults and secret societies and and corruption and medical mafias and putting it all in a big display and saying hey let's look at the evil for a second let's look at it just enough because i don't beat you over the head with it in this series there's a lot of footage that i didn't show because it's too traumatic I tried to keep it at a point where I tested it on my wife. <laughs> I said, "Hey, you know, check it out with me. If you feel traumatized, I'm going to switch it." And she w- she never felt that way. She always said, "I always felt like I now I know and and I feel more empowered afterwards." So that was that's ho- that was what I'm hoping for. But um, yeah, we have to look at evil. We have to face it, and we have to realize that it does exist. And it's not something that's just relegated to one group over here or one group over there. It's something that every human being alive has the potential to become. Um, and it, it so if we are blind to it happening out in the external world, there's that's a good indication we're most likely also blinded to what might be going on inside of each and every one of us. And so this blind spot that we keep seeing in people where I'm like, here's another example of that. Here's another example of that. Here's another example of that. Could it be that this is something that could be happening now as, again? And people go, no, 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 that's just a bunch of crazy, paranoid, schizophrenic stuff. That couldn't be. It couldn't be. Um, I always think of that scene of Neo in The Matrix when he first learns about the machine world. He first learns about the fact that, um, you know, in The Matrix, they realize they're on a farm and they're being milked like cattle for their essence and basically put into a transhumanist prison of the mind. And, you know, that that film is more and more turning out to be a documentary and less of a, of an of a science fiction film. And, um, the reason why is simply because we don't want to see the wolf in sheep's clothing. As I said before, we don't want to see it. So therefore we go, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. Yeah. I, I approve you to be censored because what you're saying scares me too much. And I, it's making me think too much about, about these things. So I'd rather you just be pushed to the side so I can keep going on with my inauthentic way of thinking about this. And I mean, inauthentic, not as an insult. But as a way of if you're not taking in the full equation, then you can't possibly be in an authentic place in your life and you can't possibly be rooted and grounded in truth and knowledge. And so in order to truly go on a path of spiritual awakening, we have to confront evil. And that's the bottom line. And trust me, there's more than enough to show you that it exists and that um, it didn't go away after World War II, and we won some war, and then we freed the world forever from tyranny, uh, because lo and behold, look what's going on in Austria. Look what's going on in Melbourne, Australia. Look what's going around the world. Regardless of anybody's opinion on vaccines, or masks, or lockdowns, or whatever, um, there's more than enough information out there for anybody to get their hands on to see that tyranny has risen again, and it only rises in the place where uh, people forget about history, And they pretend that tyranny is not happening. They pretend that that kind of evil and corruption is not happening. If we face it, that's the cure. And the final statement I'll put on that was I I included a quote in this latest chapter from Vernon Howard, where he made a stunning statement, but I love it so much, where he said, uh, you know, the human sickness, he called it human sickness. That's how he looked at evil. Human sickness is so severe that few even bear to look at it. But he says, those who do look at it will become well. And that's the sort of school of hard knocks approach. That's the tough love approach to say, I know you don't want to look at this. I know you don't want to know about, uh, you know, blood drinking cults and, and crazy stuff like that. I know you don't want to learn about what went down in the death camps and the concentration camps. I know you don't want to learn about the history of human sacrifice in every civilization in history. I know you don't want to learn about the dark side of humanity. But we have to, in order to repair the damage and stop it from happening again on a scale, mind you, with all this technology that's rolling out that will defy imagination and possibly alter humanity forever. Like We're not just talking about a little bit of corruption over here and a few slaps on the wrist for some pharmaceutical companies over there. We're talking about uh, the possibility that freedom as we know it will cease to exist. And there's even the argument to be made that humans as we know them, humanity is going to not exist as it used to exist with all these people calling for this human 2.0 that is basically a cybernetic being. So there's a lot of questions that I bring up. I know it's heavy, uh, but if you stay to the end of each one of these chapters, I always leave with very empowering information to to tell everybody it's not all over. The dark side is not the only show in town um, and evil can't stand a chance against a strong, empowered, informed uh populace of people so that's all we need to do is just face this darkness and then it will be defeated but if we don't face it we lose and it wins
1: yeah that's one of those i'm not sure we're totally in sync on all of that but i was with you most of the way i want to pull you to another excellent excellent episode of your podcast one where you went one-on-one with your audience but you just drew out this great point which i had kind of known but completely forgotten Tell us why the middle is always evil. Because I think this is so relevant to again, where the the normies, the people who are outside of the game, just can't see this until somebody really slaps them over the head with it, which you did. Well, this
0: is a this is a clip that I did. That was uh, I was quoting Ayn Rand. Uh, she made this statement, and it's profound. Uh, where she said, you know, the middle is always evil. And, and what she's talking about there is, especially when it comes to the way that we choose these sides, so- where well, we don't choose a side, when when we're talking about morals and ethics and and what's going on in our society. If you're in the middle, you're undecided. If you're in the middle, you're in a place, and I'm not talking about being in an objective space of a scientific objectivity where you're trying to gather all the information. This is when you have all the information and you still choose to stay in the middle because of this mechanism that we have that i was speaking about the sort of a psychological blindness
1: everybody has an opinion everybody has it no everybody has idea. it that's why no one's facts yep. are better than anyone else's yep. facts it's all relative we can all get along let's just all not take a stand on anything don't get go. too excited
0: yeah like okay here, here here's an example right like I tell people that I've had many debates with people about pe- the peace people believe evil doesn't exist. Okay. This is the new trendy thing that evil is just this term that we use and it's old fashioned and it doesn't really exist and all of this. And I think it's a cop-out. And it, I think if you just look at the word evil, I, I know it has a lot of religious baggage to it. I don't use it in that context. I'm using it in the context of just look at the word. The word evil is the word live spelled backwards. Right, so it is anything that is in the opposition to the process of, of life, and it could be psychological life. It could be, you know, the way the government is plundering our bank accounts, economic life. It could be, um, you know, the ignorance factor. So you could say, well, there's the well-meaning people that they mean well, but maybe they just don't want to look at that and understand it. But that means they're kind of stuck in the middle in a way, and and that not taking a stand for their own. Um, their own freedom for just as a start that to me is an act of evil against yourself to start with. Right? So forget about the evil done by people to other people. What about the evil we do to ourselves? What about the way we abuse ourselves and talk down to ourselves um you know that kind of an evil is something that we don't really talk about sort of the sort of the inner conspiracy i think your point about
1: the middle is is really super relevant to that inner dialogue particularly since in education you know i have two daughters who are in college this is just you know pushed at every level and every branch of the university that, you know, d- d- that little voice inside your head, mediate it, don't take a stand, don't think too much about one way or another. There, There is what would your show that show really drew me to is how that can be a tool, how that can be a play in the playbook of control is to yeah. give make you feel like the middle is really the only position that any responsible person could occupy. And if anyone is asking you to take a stand, a moral stand, a legal stand, an ethical stand, well, then they're not right because we should
0: all be in the. That's it. And and the idea here is when you're not taking a stand against something you personally, let's not talk about something someone's trying to convince you to take a stand for, something you believe in, something that you feel inside yourself, but there's a part of you that wants to be liked by everybody so much, wants that wants that social approval, uh, doesn't want the ostracization that comes with taking a stand. And that is the reason why you're not taking a stand. That's the act of what we're calling evil in sort of a dramatic way, uh, because it it leads to look at, look, so look at, let's just talk about what went down in Germany or pick pick your totalitarian regime of history. How many people took that middle ground? Because it was the easier path, Uh, They basically just didn't want to get, you know, stick their head out so that they got whacked down and therefore the entire country was was swept into uh, totalitarianism and and it resulted in genocide and all these different things. It's happened so many times throughout history. And so that's why it's that old statement that goes, you know, um, evil only exists because good people do nothing. It's hinting at the same angle of saying, if we don't take a stand for a moral stand for what we truly believe simply because we're afraid of, of the collective or we're afraid of the government or we're afraid of censorship or losing our job, um, then that evil will persist. That tyranny will continue to grow. The only time in history where we've even achieved anything close to freedom, and I don't even think we've even ever really achieved it. We've just gotten closer to it. Um, the only time we've ever done that is when small groups of individuals decided to take a stand against tyranny. You know, And there's so many examples in history that you could bring up. And so to stay in the middle, even though it feels like you're just being objective and you're hearing all the sides out, at some point, you do have to make a decision as to what side you're on. So for example, let's look at this passport issue for a second, right? This whole vaccine passport. And regardless of the vaccine, everybody should make their own decision on that. But the passport, that's where I come in and go, wait a minute. If we look at what's going on right now as I speak in China... What kind of a system that they have of the social credit scores and the, uh, the, the face scanning biometric technology, the, the, they, can, they have whole biometric systems in their classrooms where they can hear students breathing. They can tell how many times they check their phone. They can tell what they had for breakfast in the morning. They can tell if they've smoked a joint. They can tell uh, where they were and they've tracked them top to bottom, wherever you go. That hyper-controlled technotronic society is what is being planned for the world. And if people think that that's some kind of theoretical mumbo jumbo, just go read the statements of, you know, Klaus Schwab, the great reset, go look at what they're talking about in, in technology, the world of technology and look at how, what, what technology platform they're building this passport on your freedom as an individual, your privacy as an individual will cease to exist from that moment forward.
1: Hold on on the technology part, because it's an interesting part where we could really have a little bit of a discussion in a little bit of the time sure. we have left, because there is kind of the 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 Luddite factor in the other thing, is that you can't stop this progress. I've had some interviews lately with some of the leading, I had an interview with a guy at Google, very high-level guy at Google, And in some ways he's closed down to what's happening around him and he can't see it. And he used to work at Twitter, even worse back in the bannings and all that stuff. Mm. And he can't see some of what's been going on, but it is interesting when you really talk to somebody like that, because you get a sense for the other part of the problem. And that is scale, you know, like we don't really want to shut down search and search is at a trillion searches or something ridiculous number a day, I mean, ai filtering through your searches like it does and banning you and uh, demonetizing and shadow banning and all that stuff you're never going to stop that i'm not sure you even want to sh- stop that because we are still in a geopolitical world right we don't understand completely how we sit vis-a-vis china where we want to sit vis-a-vis china i don't think we want to go there but do we have people inside our government who are kind of looking out for, well, here's how we want up China, would that be on the table? And if you did that and it becomes a war, what do you have in war? Will you have a lot of different kind of false maneuvers and stuff like that? So all that stuff could be at play. And the reason I tie it back to the technology part is, I think we gotta be really careful about the solutions that we're looking for, because I don't think the solutions are to try and slow down technology because I think that's a losing battle. It just is not going to happen. It's driven not only by money, but it's driven by our desire to use this technology. And we are consumers of it. And we love it in a lot of ways. So I think the solution is to be more nuanced than, you know, oh, my God, don't do biometrics. That's coming Neuralink. Hey, again, I have people in my family who have epilepsy. You know what? Would they sign up for Neuralink if they stopped having seizures? Who who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Especially if you take some young child. You can always point at those special cases. Some young child that's, you know, having 20 seizures a day, and now Elon comes along and says, "Don't worry, kid. We'll hook you up to Neuralink, and there you go. No more seizure. No more seizures." Are the parents right? But but here's my only thing.
0: And and by the way, the reason I was bringing up that example wasn't to say uh, we should go back to living in the jungle or get rid of technology or stop it. It, it, It's but we have to have an actual uh, discussion about these. A very important discussion. There is no greater discussion to be had um, because are we going to lose our humanity in the pursuit of technology? And 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 is it being sold to us in the initial stages that we find ourselves in? for the purposes of health and bettering people's lives when I'll rebut I'll rebut that and say we don't need Neuralink to stop seizures we've got decades of experts that have come out from homeopathic naturopathic and even mainstream medical science that have other ways of dealing with that you don't need to plant chips in your brain if you want to do it you go ahead but look at what's going on right now do you get to opt out of the vaccine passport right So the question of freedom is the question here. And the question of who's running that system is the question here. So I asked the question in chapter five, or I posed the the statement, technology can enrich our lives, right? Technology can free us on so many levels, but technology can also enslave us. Technology can also make us obsolete, right? Which is actually a, a very vocal concern of even people like Elon Musk, who is the founder of Neuralink, and that probably is why he wants to make something like that. Who knows? But um, we have to ask these questions, right? And in the world where we are right now, with what we've seen with the level that the government is willing to go to push its narrative, regardless of the fact that they've got you know, a massive, not everybody, but a massive amount of the populace that is not wanting to go along with that. Um, they don't want to be asked to show their digital papers everywhere they go. They don't want to be tracked and traced. They don't want their neighbors calling uh, the police every time they think they are they have too many people over for Christmas dinner. They don't want to be tracked and surveilled to that degree by these people. These are, we're dealing with corruption and criminality that I don't even think people can possibly imagine. And so we separate those discussions, Alex. We separate... The corruption, the tyranny, the evil that I was talking about, and all that information I said about cults and secret societies and the infiltrations of governments, et cetera, geopolitical agendas, the control of the monetary system, the control of these industries, just as your uh, you know, pharmaceutical industry has become very centrally controlled instead of truly a free market enterprise thing. You have the same control in Silicon Valley, small groups of people that have way too much godlike power on their hands. So, in that condition, I'm not personally ready to jump into the transhumanist future with these people at the helm. Um, if we were in a different scenario where we had uh, people in power and people at the helm of these institutions that were truly there trying to make technology in a way where, yes, it could liberate us, yes, it could help improve our health, yes, it could take us to the stars but we're not going to violate our humanity. We're not going to violate your freedom. We're not going to uh, you know, create. Who wants to live like China, really? Like I speak to people, I've interviewed people that have fled from China to come here only to go, I might as well go back. It's starting to get more, worse here than over there in some cases, right? Because we don't, want, we don't want to, I personally don't want to live in a world where we have a monolithic centralized system of control that is run by AI. I don't want to live in that world because, uh, first of all, we've never lived, we've never seen this before. It's unprecedented. And second of all, I don't trust the people that build it. They're known liars and criminals, top to bottom, uh, fraudsters, opportunists. The money involved, and not everybody, but I'm talking at the top, right? And and that's where I have my concerns: is who's running that ship? What's their true agenda? Right. And that's what we're going to get through when we get into the series is is at least my idea of what that could be and uh, and why we have to at the very least. You don't have to agree with me. You you might think I'm paranoid, but uh, at the very least, we should question this before we jump into this excitement that we have of becoming superhuman. At the same time of becoming superhuman, you're also becoming super controllable and you're becoming less human in the process
1: well, well, in my opinion yeah that that's a tricky one because then you get into specific cases and you know I've, anyways I've I've got down absolutely that, I've gone down that path because of the medical conditions in my family and I I don't think it's always like what you're saying there are people who who suffer greatly and and can be relieved by uh modern medicine but absolutely
0: absolutely but there's a a, that's a tricky road we're going down it is
1: i digress because the point i really want to make is i think you you articulated that super well in a way that i haven't heard many other people say it which is that okay there is the march of progress and we can play around with this myth of progress, let's all go into the forest kind of thing and the the noble savage kind of thing, but that doesn't really hit most of us where we live. What I think does resonate really well in what you brought forward is, I could go along with that as long as we had this other moralistic, ethical, legal part in place, which we've exactly. always demanded be in place. So I yeah. see you talking for, as a philosopher, as a true politician in saying, you know, what is for the benefit of the people? And the benefit of people is that we lock down that first and we have that in place. And when that goes off kilter, like it is, first order business, restore that to its equilibrium before we jump forward with all this technology, which just makes common sense to me. When you say, uh, you know, is that, does that sound paranoid? That sounds the opposite of paranoid,
0: yeah, and I'm, I appreciate it, and I you know I, I just think that I don't i I see people getting excited in a way about all of this stuff without thinking about the other side. And the more mainstream you go when you get into this whole conversation of technology, the less warnings there are, the less critical thinking there is. And that's a concern uh, because, you know, what are we talking about? Cybernetics, robotics, you know, nanotechnology. We're messing with a lot of things here that, you know, we're thinking now that humans are becoming more efficient than the process of nature that brought us into existence. I think that's a level of arrogance that we need to check before we just jump in and leap forward. Always thinking, oh, this is just about, uh, you know, saving people and improving health. It's always the sales pitch about health. But that's look what they did with this whole lockdown. They gave us the same sales pitch. Hey, guys, two weeks to stop the spread. Just give up two weeks of your life, and we'll stop this and finish it. Um, And here we are, two years later, in a world that I don't think anybody could possibly imagine would have unfolded. And uh, that's, in my opinion, what you get when we just blindly go along trusting the mainstream media, trusting these politicians, uh, trusting these quote unquote academics that, you know, they're out there espousing, you know, essentially an idea that to me just has so many correlations to things I've heard in the past from many of these different religions and cults and things like that. So all I'm doing is raising a flag to say, hear me out and then go back and look at what you've been looking at. And at least you've heard the warnings. At least you've heard the cautionary warnings. Um, It'd be like you know, I compare technology to the gun debate, actually. I mean, think about it. We're talking about firearms and the right to defend yourself, the right to hunt, the right to hold your own firearms and bear arms. The government doesn't think you should have it. Uh, there's a lot of activist groups that don't think you should have it. And why don't they think you should have it? Well, because, you know, people could be irresponsible and you could be arming people that could go out and shoot people and cause damage in the world. So we should just get rid of it altogether. Uh, and, and then I'm like, but those same people are jumping onto this technology bandwagon without that same caution of going, well, are we going to have any way of holding people responsible and liable? Are we going to have any kind of critical thinking before we jump into this? You know, so you're giving someone a firearm or we're having this debate about whether someone should have the right to own a firearm and use a firearm. Well, we'll have more stricter legislation to make sure they go through training and they go through observation and all of this but yet we're not going to apply that to technology. And that and that, and that's where I'm coming in to go wait a minute, isn't there a contradiction there? Shouldn't we look at that a little bit more? Um, and and then, you know, there's a whole other school of thought about about that, of course, you know, to bring into the fore, but um, I don't want to digress too much into that. The point of this whole thing we're talking about, this this idea of a cult of the medics. I want to say a real disc- quick disclaimer here. I'm not in this series calling every doctor, every scientist, every medical institution, uh, some, you know, satanic cult. Uh, I'm talking about a core, uh, group ideology that is contained within it at the top levels, uh, of the controlling interests of these different organizations. That's where I'm going with it. And then I'm also going to the level of, there are a lot of well-meaning people throughout history that have been baptized into different cults using their better nature to do that. Right. And so that's why we have to look at this and go, let's try to not let's not let's look before we leap and let's, um, you know, maybe look at our own motivations for just buying wholesale what we're being sold, because in the past, there are many examples where it didn't really work out very well, to say the least. And so I'm just here to issue the warning. And then once people have heard the warning, they can choose to either agree with me or disagree or agree in part doesn't matter. But I'll tell you right now, you're not going to get this particular kind of warning on your media or in a lot of the stuff you're going to read online. And that's why I tried to make it unique and plug in a lot of scholars and thinkers that are far greater than myself uh, to bring to your attention to hear their warnings uh, before we leap into this whole technotronic age that we were warned about by uh, even people like Aldous Huxley, et cetera.
1: That's why you're the truth warrior, my brother. That's why you are the truth warrior. Tell folks David you already have a, in a lot of ways but what's coming up in the immediate future for you either through the truth warrior or you know uh, cult of the medics you're at series five in the series number five in the series how many more do you have to go what else is coming up for you well I'm gonna
0: be starting work this week on chapter six um which is just a chapter that I'm calling missing pieces it's sort of wrapping up the first five episodes with all the stuff I couldn't include. You wouldn't believe the amount of notes and research I had to throw out uh, just because it would have ended up being 10 hour pieces for every chapter. So, I'm going to do sort of a wrap up episode for the first half of the series, um, bringing in some of the missing threads I didn't get to in those other chapters. And then I've got 12 of these planned. And my goal was 12 chapters. Um, and, you know, we're going to really start going. If people think the first five chapters were deep, um, you know, the second half is going to go to the next level. And, um, you know, so yeah, 12 chapters is the goal. It might even continue past that. Who knows? It's kind of taken a life of its own. It's really starting to pick up uh, popularity, which I'm happy about. So I'll be working on that. I'll still be running my show uh, weekly. I've actually got a show going on today. And, uh, and then I'm also working very hard alongside Michael Tessarian, my colleague on the Unslave Project, which is another unique philosophical uh, project where we're asking these questions as well. Um, and then I'm also a father and a husband and, uh, I'm working hard to keep food on the table and, uh, keep working on what I feel I'm here to do. And, uh, I'm hoping that it at least adds some benefit to people, uh, cause that's really what my intention is. So I'll just be working hard from, uh, from my, my, isolated place in uh, Chinata here (laughs) and uh, and hopefully we can uh, get back to a point where we can travel again because I'd like to also get into some real documentary filmmaking where I'm on the ground and and making this a a level of production that I I think it deserves so that would be the ultimate goal but for now um, that's what I've got on the table
1: it's a lot man and it's fantastic you know I I popped back into your world here and I was kind of blown away with all the stuff that was going on because i wasn't fully aware of it but now i have a, a bunch of episodes of yours that i missed queued up fantastic stuff i haven't made it through all the chapters but they're really great and the the way that you've done it video wise it's high high quality stuff i don't need to sell it anymore but uh, check it out the truth is it is at the core of what david's all about and man that just speaks to all of us gets to our heart because we know that's what we have to follow if we're going to find our personal way out of it or our collective way out of it it's always going to be connected with the truth so buddy fantastic having you back on thank you thank you so much for joining me here on skeptico
0: thank you and hey thank you so much too for bringing me on thank you for challenging me thank you for asking these questions i truly love what you do with your show it's needed And thank you for being an objective voice for reason. Uh, We need it now more than ever. And I encourage people to continue to support your show as well. So thank you so much, Alex. Much appreciated, brother.
1: Thanks again to David Whitehead for joining me today on Skeptico. The one question I tee up from this interview is, what do you think about the co-opting thing? One of the new pieces of information I got out of this, and that's what I'm about, is finding the new information, is the guy, the Mason guy in the 17th century who said, we've been co-opted by these Satanists, by the black magic, by the dark forces. Dang! I mean, where do you go with that? If that doesn't send your head spinning, I don't I, I, I just— don't totally get how you're processing this stuff because it does me it raises a million other questions that i would have liked to have asked but there's only so much time in each one of these shows so let's do it offline track me down let me know what you think let's start a dialogue let's be skeptico and all that means and inquiry to perpetuate doubt so let me know reach out connect until next time take care and bye for now